0: Welcome back to Are You Wearing Pants? Where we check in via Zoom on personalities in the advertising and media world to find out how they're coping professionally and personally during the pandemic and the harsh long-term lockdowns we're all experiencing.
1: As we record this podcast, much of New South Wales and Victoria are still in hard lockdown after many months. And news of Australia's tough lockdown rules are making headlines around the world. So how are we all coping working from home? How are we managing balancing family and work life? And how's our mental health doing? In this episode,
0: we caught up with one of the industry's most respected and loved copywriters, Andy Fleming. After 15 hugely successful years at MC Saatchi in Sydney, in a much publicized event, Andy recently found himself out of a job. We asked Andy what the hell happened and what's next for him during these troubled times.
1: Unmute myself, go. So connecting there you go. To yeah. He must be connecting. Oh, he, I think oh. we got. Hello?
0: Andrew Darling. Hello, mate. Can you hear me? <laughs> I can hear you. Can't see you, but we can hear you. Hi.
1: Oh, there you go. Hello. There he is. How you going? I'm all right, mate. How are you? Andy, do you remember Nick? You've met him a couple of times, I think. We... Yeah, hello, mate. Uh, yeah, I remember um, actually it was our first job that we did together with me and Dan was uh, with you over at M&C. It was the Dick Smith, I believe, 10 years ago. Now. <laughs> That's
2: a long Dick time. Dick does. <laughs> yeah, we did some fucking crazy stuff for them. They said to us, can you do a section of the store that's for children and so we said yeah little dicks little dicks (laughs) yeah we had all sorts of subversive ads that came out
0: for them Mm. so Andy thank you very much for doing this we have been trying to get you on the creative relay but it's not up to us in a way
2: it's up to someone who likes me
0: Uh, well everybody has spoken about you and a lot of people have said oh thinking maybe uh, and your name has come up plenty of times and for whatever reason you haven't made it on but we're, we're gonna get you on that one day I wanted to get you on this one when we started thinking about this and then two weeks ago, whenever it was, you dropped the bloody (laughs) bomb that uh, you're departing M&C. So it's probably a good place for us to start. Um, Just so you know, obviously... We're recording this. If, you, if there's anything you feel like you've said that you don't want to go out there, please just say. No, We're, no, yeah. <laughs> I,
2: I think it, I think it's the opposite to that. I think I w- what my plan was to be as honest as possible. People leave advertising all the time. People leave marketing departments all the time and, they and you know, redundancies are part of this job. You, you know, it happens to everyone two or three times, it happens to marketers all the time. And I think it's always really weird to read these high-profile exits and it's John Smith has left an incredibly high-paying job to spend more time with his family or <laughs> to hunt better opportunities, and you go, yeah, he's got made redundant, didn't he? <laughs> and it, it makes both parties look like they're sort of trying to cover it up, and there's there was something underneath that. And I just said to, to Cam and the agency, look, you know, I've I've spent the last few years, you know, obviously apart from advertising, writing articles that I hope people find funny that that are about the truth of advertising and I wanted to go out on brand
0: (laughs) So have you actually departed or are you you still... I
2: left on Friday Um, I left last Friday Mm-hmm. And my email was cut off at five PM <laughs> on Friday, which is weird. <laughs> so that's a sign, isn't it? And yeah. then uh Monday morning at about two minutes past nine my laptop was picked up.
0: Oh my god.
2: So hence I'm I'm talking to you on a on a hastily knocked together iPad right. that I've realised is one of the only things in my house that's got a camera on it.
0: Okay. So how did you feel on Monday morning?
2: I felt really good. It's weird because when you're in a place for 15 years and it was literally about a month after my 15 year anniversary, it felt like coming out of prison. And I don't mean that, you know, in, in a bad way. I just I just feel I know what it's like for people to leave a place they've been in for a very long time. And the world feels a bit different and it's a bit shinier mm. and a bit newer. Because you you do get a little bit indoctrinated.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. You've been there that long.
2: Yeah, maybe that's the wrong word. institutionalized, you know, you 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 see that as your life i think and um being out and talking to different people and i think even just being on zoom calls with people who look very different to the people i've been on zoom calls for years is is a real pleasure Mm. that's really nice so um yeah i vowed to take a few weeks off and maybe write a book and we'll
0: get on to what you are going to do from here that's that's obviously something we're keen to know and hopefully everyone else is um Let's just track back a bit before you left MNC as you said you've been there for 15 years. We've all seen a whole load of massive changes in advertising. Um you're sort of of a generation. I feel like I've grown up with you. Things have changed a lot in the last few years. However, the big bad COVID has changed again everything and Yeah, it has. What's your experience over the last 18 months with these huge changes because of lockdowns and the pandemic?
2: Look, there's different ways of answering that. You can answer, you know, how the advertising industry's affect been affected by it or how I've been affected by it personally. I mean, I personally enjoy it. Um, not COVID, but I enjoy the lockdown. <laughs> um, simply because I fucking hate Open Plan. Just fucking hate it. Really? And I always have. And I hated that move from offices to, to Open Plan because... I think someone somewhere in, you know, San Francisco said, I've got the key to collaboration and and getting better work. It's putting people within one metre of each other and and it's going to become more collaborative and more open. And, yeah, you do get a little bit of that, but you also get you sitting there trying to write something and there's an argument going on next to you, a suit standing behind you, someone playing music you hate. It's just noisy. It's not conducive, I think, for, you know, to create great work, you, you really need to sit in a quiet place surrounded by things that inspire you and that's why we had offices. It wasn't to separate people geographically and say, you know, well, he's got an office and she hasn't or she's got an office and he hasn't. It, It was more sort of that kid's bedroom thing you know you you put up posters of photographers that you like and you're surrounded by dnads and you've got a sofa you can lay on and come up with stuff and the door's closed and everyone knows you're coming up with something and i think the work was better because teams could sit down and and sometimes you know a team and a planner or you know a ceo and a creative i mean it didn't matter what the you know but 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 in that little office i think some of the best work that's ever been made by advertising has, has come and i think when we went to open plan I have this sneaky suspicion that the work took a hit immediately.
0: That's interesting. Just
2: because it it feels a little bit more like a production line and less like a creative place, you know. I think there are some agencies that still believe in it, but the vast majority have gone for that.
0: When did MC swap over to the...
2: It was years ago. Right. I mean, you know, I think most agencies went open plan. About 15 years ago, um, and never really looked back. And I don't think there are many agencies that, that aren't. I know, you know, there's all sorts of open plan systems. Like, let's get all the creatives sitting around one table. You know, let's let's split people up into pods. That
0: sounds fucking
2: ridiculous. <laughs> well, you know, I've, I've seen I've seen all of them. And when I was freelancing before I started M and there were different systems. You know, let's get a Let's get a digi specialist and a planner and two creatives in St. Paul and see what magic they can come up with. And, you know, sometimes it's interesting. And you do, you know, you do get to meet some interesting people that maybe you might not ordinarily spend a lot of time with. But on the whole, my personal experience is I like to be in a quiet place with a laptop or, or a bit of paper and and not be disturbed for a while, and I can get more done. So for me...
0: Lockdown landed in your lap perfectly. Well,
2: for, I was going to say, for, for me, lockdown was, you know, a little bit of a curse, but also a bit of a blessing because... You know, I'm lucky enough to have a bit of a man cave and that became my office. So I've got those things that made me, I think, a better creative, which is I am surrounded by stuff that I'm inspired by. Can you see my neon Blade Runner? Nice. nice. Do you remember the first scene of the original Blade Runner where the camera pans down over the little noodle store?
1: Yeah, I love that. That's it. Really? <laughs> Show us your banksies.
2: That film. They're in the other room. Oh, he well got then. some
0: Banksy's, hasn't he? Yeah, he's got, he, he was the original Banksy fan before. uh Before Banksy
2: was Banksy. Yeah. Before he
0: was, yeah, cool. So focusing on your own personal situation, uh, you have a family. Uh, you have a wife and kids. Yeah. Uh, what are they doing? Are they all there with you? Uh, how is they that are, working my wife's,
2: out? yeah, we somehow managed to change the geography of our bedroom so we could fit a desk in. And so my wife's upstairs with a desk and a little speaker and she's looking out over our little back garden. And and so she's over there somewhere in in a little bit of quiet. My daughter's obviously, you know, working remotely from school.
1: How old is your daughter?
2: She's 13. And my 15-year-old son could probably... Sitting there for the rest of his life And he'd be quite happy um, But that's just teenage boys Their social lives are revolved around the mates That they play these games with yeah. And so he's he's actually by far The most social person in the family He's having His friends are online with him From quite early in the morning To quite late at night And it doesn't seem to be Lockdown doesn't seem to be affecting him In any way, shape or form He's really enjoying it
0: So their family are, are getting on You haven't found that a difficult transition From yourself working at home trying to, you know, crack some big brief that you've been given, you managed to sort of carry on and...
2: Yeah, I mean, I think maybe we're just lucky in the geography of the house that we can go into four different areas and and they're all quite quiet. We don't interfere with each other until... We drop sticks and then sit and have some food and talk about the day and watch a box set or whatever it is that we do.
1: You mentioned before that you're looking at possibly writing a book. So is that your lockdown project?
2: It's a cliche, isn't it? Every every writer says, oh, you know, I'm going to sit and write the book. But the truth of the matter is that for years and years of writing for clients, the last thing you want to do when you get home is get on that laptop because that you know you've been writing on it all day and it's been writing copy and EDMs and you know manifestos and pitch videos and all those things and, and you just don't wanna get it out again. You don't want to look at it. But it's also a little bit scary in that and I think as a creative, when you've got the opportunity to do it, it's very intimidating to to write write without guidelines. We're so used to writing within a fixed path. We know what the client needs. There's a very fixed brief. We're going to write an ad with a certain tonality. We know what we can't do. We know what they won't buy. They like this kind of humour. And so you you write around these obstacles all day and then being faced with a white bit of paper, or in my case, a white screen, is terrifying because you haven't got any of that. And, And you need to regain that love of that white space. And I've started doing it and it's amazing how quickly it just pours out once once you've pulled out the, the stopper i've heard
0: people say it starts to almost write itself it does
2: it it's like you know you're sort of vomiting words mm. down and 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 there is a process to it you know that, that some people i i like to write a sentence and then pick at it until it's perfect and then move on to the next one to be honest i found that the best way is just to Blat is out onto the screen and then write what your mind's telling you to write and then go back later and say editing.
1: Is it fiction or non-fiction you're doing?
2: I'm, I'm more comfortable with fiction just because obviously I can just make shit up. <laughs> and I started writing something I, I like the idea of doing this horror film that was set in the Middle Ages and it got so it got so difficult because I'd go and then and then he pulled out his sword and I'm going, fucking hell. All right. Did they have swords then? <laughs> And then he ate a, what were they eating in 1056, you know, in Syria. You've got to research everything, you know, if you're doing something like that. So I don't know if I could do fiction because of the show. I'm not a researcher. I like I like crowd of stories. I like telling something. So, you know, probably inevitably I'll end up writing about, you know, some guy in advertising your bullshit. <laughs> and that's what I think that's what most people do because they go, you know, write about what you know. What do I know? Well, I know about 15 years of working in an agency. So. Let's let's do a murder mystery set
0: in an agency. So you've sort of talked about your own personal lockdown or pandemic situation. Uh, Just going a little bigger, how did M&C cope with it? Do you think they did a good job of it? Have they looked after their staff? Is there the leaders, you know, doing the right things to keep people involved? I think they've
2: done all they can, you know. I I think they've probably done a little better than most. I mean, we... The week before I left, we had um, this huge box that was delivered that had, you know, it was filled with fresh vegetables and filled with herbs and filled with fruit. And, wow. you know, it, it was, and everyone got one. It was a fucking huge box so you know when they try and have you know social clubby kind of nights on mondays where you can win prizes and stuff like that Mm -hmm. they try and catch up with as many people as they can as often as they can so i'm just assuming that that's how most agencies have done it but you know it's it's difficult it's difficult to have a big agency and try and keep some kind of cultural vibe together when everyone is so geographically set, and that's that would I, I don't know
0: if any agency has sold that yet. Well that's the thing a lot of agencies as you say do thrive on that culture and they, some of the cultures are very different and MSC definitely had one, I could feel that. number of times I've been in there and the people I work with had a culture um, We spoke to Laura Jordan-Bambach who's an Australian creative working over in, in London She made a point saying that before this all happened she found the industry quite brutal and quite intense and unforgiving and she said she's hoping out of of all this kind of upset that we've had that the industry will be a bit kinder and a bit gentler on people you may be a bad person to us given your uh current situation but do you, do you think this is going to change the culture of of agencies are they going to be yeah
2: probably for the worst to be honest <laughs> um i disagree um i i i think and, and well i don't this isn't my MNC experience. This is after talking to, you know, a great many people in a great many agencies, both here and overseas. I think we got into a lot of bad habits last year went, when the first lockdown hit. The clients were a bit all over the place because they didn't really know how this was. The, you know, a lot, a lot of them had to try and explain to their customers what they were going to do. And deadlines started getting very, very, very tight. Um, I'm talking two days a day and we did work phenomenally hard last year and it wasn't anyone's fault. It's just we just got into this habit of doing it. And, and I always equate it to a screaming baby, you know, being, uh, being screaming to be fed. And if you keep feeding it or just keep screaming, And I don't thing you can change that. So I think if you set a precedent and you start going, yeah, we can actually turn around a major brand project in three days, you know, well, then the clients, they don't see what goes into getting that done. They don't see the, the mental toll. And the physical toll it takes out of people. They just see the end result and they go, Fucking oh, they did it in three days rather than three weeks. And it sort of starts to become the norm, you know, that what we used to call code red briefs, you know, those briefs that have this 24 hour turnaround. Well, people don't use them anymore because there are so many They're of them. They're all code reds. So, you know, I'm hearing this from London, I'm hearing this from America, I'm hearing this right across Australia. The the bad habits. When we got out recently. I didn't see any real change in the deadlines, even though we were out of COVID and we were meeting the clients, and things seemed to be a little bit better, and we we had some sort of semblance of normality. And so, I think the bad habits that we got into over COVID will probably continue because it's just the nature of agencies at the moment to, or the, well, okay, maybe it's the agency of clients to be a bit, a little bit less unforgiving. And the minute you know, the minute you say no to something, they start going, "Oh, hello," mm. and you know, maybe we should repitch. And so, and it's a vicious circle. So the agencies get get terrified. They say yes, they do the job in three days. You know, the client begins to expect it. Everyone's working like a bastard. You're suffering. Have
0: the clients on the whole been more involved because of lockdown? Because they're all sitting at a desk in front of a Zoom. Uh, we found as a sound house. We'll do a simple one-hour VO record that probably doesn't need any more than the creative in the room. But now we'll have a Zoom with ten people on it. So,
2: I, you know, I've, I've seen that, and I think, yeah, that's happened. And there are there are a lot of cooks in advertising at the moment, from both client side and agency side. A lot of people from the client side are trying to sort of justify their life, you know, so they get involved in everything and want to change the levels in the sound sound session and can we go back to that take? You know, I prefer that one. There's a lot of that. Um, But again, this isn't an Australian thing. This is, you know, I had a very long conversation with someone in a very big agency in London and it's a London thing, it's a New York thing, it's an LA thing, it's a Sydney thing. You know, we we just need to just start to pull that back a little bit and and be a little bit harder as an industry that, that creativity can't be taken for granted. You know, the best work in the world doesn't come out in 24 hours. It might look like an ad, it might feel like an ad, doesn't mean it's a good ad, it, it, it's or a film or a digi or a banner or whatever it is. It, it's just what you can do in that time. And unfortunately, you know, we can make work that's been done in an hour look fantastic because we've got the skills and we've got the designers. It doesn't mean it is. It doesn't mean it's got a good thought. It doesn't mean it's going to work particularly well. It's literally probably the first thing the team came up with that wasn't shit. (laughs) And the client sees, you know, almost what looks like a finished piece of work. But real work takes a lot of conversations. It takes conversations with the clients that, that are about their business and their problems and their customers. It takes planners to do sessions to find out the real insights about things. And, and you know, the work that we always hold up as being, you know, one day I'll do a, do something like this didn't take 24 hours it would have been weeks, if not months, sometimes a year. And it was a very long process. And, um, and I think we have lost that. And we've got to get back to that somehow. And I don't know who's going to do it. I mean, obviously, a lot of big, big productions have been handled virtually over the last, you know, two years. And I hope it doesn't become tempting for some people to go, well, we did it then. Why don't we just make that the norm? Because it saves a shit ton of money, you know? Why do we need two people to fly to New York? You know, it, well, well, there's a very good reason for that because the creative who came up with the idea and the creative director can actually work with the talent and work with the director and work with the post house and, re- you know, really closely and make sure that's the best it can possibly be because there's always a hundred little things that are going to fuck up on a shoot that you want to deal with. Um, and doing it virtually sort of feels like it's the same but it isn't you know and I hope that money saving doesn't raise its ugly head and people start going it's only in Melbourne we'll we'll do it virtually like we did last year.
0: One of the best things about my and Nick's role in the industry is that we like to think of ourselves as as the fun bit because you know there's been all this production to get to a point to put something on the screen and then it comes to the sound people and they can finish it off and get your music and your sound and your voiceover and all that sort of stuff and we love having people come in and now we're presenting stuff on zoom it just
2: it's really not great (laughs) Hmm. there's a very 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 good reason why when you walk into a sound studio, you guys have got speakers that cost a shit ton of money. And there's a reason why you go into an edit suite and you present something on a a studio monitor. It's because it's the best interpretation of the film that you've made. It's the best way of showing that the greens and the blacks have been so carefully crunched to make this thing look as beautiful as it can. And Zoom is a very, very low res piece of software that is impossible to hear studio quality sound. It's impossible to see beautiful grades. You know, it's impossible to see the nuances that we need if we're going to make the the world's best work. And so you do need to be there to see that we could probably get rid of that little bit there. And, you know, it's almost impossible. You know, you're looking at a generalized pixelated version of something that might have cost three quarters of a million dollars and it's just you can't do that.
1: And there's that collaborative energy that you get in the same space when you're there together, sometimes it's unspoken, sometimes it's just sensed.
2: It's the crafting that we miss out on. All we're we're getting, a gener- you know, the generalisations, we're, we're just hearing like a, a shitty MP3 as opposed to a studio piece of sound and we're seeing a shitty MP4 instead of something that's a 300 or 200 gig file that we can play and they can see every single dot on that film they've paid a million dollars for. That's what is about. It's that crafting. I think we're... We're in danger of getting rid of another part, another one of those little moments of crafting that's so important. Do I think that we're going to stop coming into sound studios and stop going into edit suites? No, of course, of course, we're going to do that. But there, but but I do think that. You know, the the working virtual thing is going to continue in some ways. There will be a lot of people who prefer it, but it does mean that they fall into those problems, that they're not seeing the ad the way it was meant to be seen. They're not seeing, uh, you know, even clients. Who just don't want to go in, so they'll do it from their office, you know, on a, and you you have no control over the tech they're using.
1: Well, sometimes they're doing their shopping at the same time or they're moving well, furniture exactly.
2: around. Well, and, exactly, and, and it's not like there is a standardisation of technology. You, you, you're dealing with a company that's got shitty Lenovo laptops <laughs> with a low-res screen. They're not seeing the work as the way it was meant to be seen.
0: So you've just departed M and C Saatchi. What is next for for you? Do you still love advertising? Will you still be pursuing advertising? Is this where it's going
2: next for you? Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, advertising is what I do best. The biggest kick I get is out of writing and out of um, and out of the advertising process, and that's never going to change. Um, so it's always going to be the backbone to whatever I do. Will I start to take on side projects? I refuse to. Use the word fucking side hustle. It's <laughs> a horrible word. Eh? Such fucking weight, Are, are you going to pivot? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not pivoting into another industry type. But you know, there's been a lot of really interesting. You know, like you mentioned the you know the redundancy press release, and it it got so much attention from different types of people: client side, agency side, writing side. And I don't think I'm in the right. Frame of mind to make the right decision on what, what to do next until I've had probably a couple of weeks of, of just taking it easy and, and sorting my head out.
0: I think you've earned that.
2: I think it will be advertising. I think advertising is always going to play a huge role, but there's a lot of things that, that I've wanted to do for a long time that I can get into. Um, I love the idea of working for a gaming company because I'm a massive gamer. I'm a big geek, so I like the idea of of getting into tech a little bit more. So maybe, you know, you can imagine a social media company or an Apple or a Google or a you know or a TikTok or something like that. I mean, you know, they'd all be interesting. Um, because it would be taking that writing skill and you know writing doesn't change it's just who you're writing it for.
0: So you've already touched on it just there about your gaming one thing that we've been asking people is that working from home is very different for each person as you said you've got the right geography and the family's coping with it there's probably some horrible situations with single mums and all sorts of shit going on but how do you go about working from home do you have music on in the background do you have a Spotify playlist or something going on that you've, well, you've- I
2: I find that a real trick for writing, especially quite big pieces of work, and I've got whole playlists that are based on, you know, epic work and work that inspire. I mean, you know, movie soundtracks are perfect for someone who's trying to write around a scene, you know, um, or an environment. It just allows you to get into a mental place you know so you are you are essentially playing the soundtrack of the
0: ad. you may know my brother charlie higson who um yeah. uh, used to do the fast show but um he's now more a novelist, uh, and he's written three different children's uh, series. One of them was a zombie series. One of them was young James Bond. Like you just said, if he's doing a James Bond, he's got the James Bond soundtracks going and various inspirational pieces from that genre. And it does get him in the zone. And he said he'll have his breakfast, go upstairs, put on the playlist. He gets in the zone.
2: I'm an absolute fan of it. And, and for anyone who doesn't do it, I recommend it. I, I completely agree with with Charlie. That how can you write uh, a James Bond? Bond piece without listening to a couple of albums of, of those great themes. It just puts you, it just gives you, the, the world is already set up in your head. It's an, it's an amazing thing, you know, I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan of that. <music>
0: Is there any piece of work that you can think of that was hugely affected in a good or bad way by, you know, the last 18 months, sort of whether it's the virus or the lockdown, that you can think, oh, well, that piece wouldn't have happened if this hadn't happened or uh, that place died because of this?
2: Uh, I think probably a certain style of, of work is being written for lockdown because we can't go and do the stuff that we like to do, which is, you know, if you haven't got a huge budget and you've got two or three characters and they're doing something quite funny, that kind of work is very hard to do virtually because you sort of need to be there. You need to be sort of scribbling scripts and and hearing the nuance of the actors. So I think doing work with actors has taken a back seat in favour of quite epic, you know, I hate to say Getty images, but, (laughs) you know, big montages because they can be shot. Yeah,
1: drone footage.
2: And I've made one and I know everyone who's made one and and they're generally that, you know, the big brand pieces. Um, You know, scene opens on energy-saving windmills across Melbourne and we cut to crashing waves and a lighthouse and it's all very metaphorical and very beautiful and I think there's a lot of that because it can be done. So I think the style of advertising has changed a little bit. I mean, obviously you can do the retail spots and we're seeing them, you know, they haven't changed. I mean, you know, it's not hard to do those things. But I'm not seeing so much of that work that Australia is famous for that's got uh, this this wit, this Australian sense of humour. And it's just because it can't be done at the moment. It's very difficult. So it has got very worthy. It's
0: interesting you should say that. We had a campaign that we're working on. I won't say who it was for. We had three ads uh, and they were funny and in the end the whole thing got canned right at the last minute because they were funny
1: i think yeah, they'd been shot they'd been edited we'd composed the music we'd done the soundtrack everything was ready to go. I think they were already graded. And I think, just I got think they made the wrong decision because
0: there's a competitor out there doing funny.
2: Well, that's really interesting because there is another reason why funny isn't happening and that is that we're all stuck in this thing and I think a lot of clients and a lot of agencies are really genuinely believe that putting out something that's lighthearted will be taken as, as taking the piss out of COVID. Yeah. And I think that's sort of exacerbating how bad COVID is by not giving people the relief from it. Tell me about and, it. And by going... You know, well everything has to be a bit somber and everything has to be a bit we have to empathize because COVID's so awful and people are dying. And look, that's all true. But I think the greatest medicine in times like this is to have fun with it and and to take the piss out of COVID and, and to to look at the situation we're in, which is quite frankly a bit ridiculous. As opposed to going, Oh, people will react really badly. They'll think that we'll think that we're having fun with death. And it's like, no, they fucking won't. It's 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 just what humans does, you know, without getting too historical or heavy, you know, the best humor and the best music came out of the Thatcher years, being English, came out of the Thatcher years in the UK because the country was fucked, you know, when you had Mrs Thatcher getting cops to beat the shit out of minors and there was strikes everywhere and it was miserable and England wasn't a very good place to live, but... The humour was like punk coming up and, and, having, and having fun with it and having fun with her and having fun with the situation. You know, alternative comedy came from that horrible position and I'm hoping that, you know, if there's anything that can come out of Brexit, it might be a whole new breed of really amazing comedians and amazing music because you can't write the Smiths if you've got sunny weather and great Beach. Yeah. You can't do it. You've got to be in a council estate with a guitar and it's got to be raining and there's got to be a bin strike on <laughs>
1: Yeah, you're bang on, mate, with that. I mean, Dan and I both agree wholeheartedly we talk about it quite a lot. You know, it's like, guys, we don't have to be apologetic. You know, every script doesn't have to start with we hear you. You know, it's let's have in some these, fun
2: with In it. these unprecedented times. Yeah,
1: yeah exactly. It's We're like, in this come together. On, you, I'm
0: sure you've written that in one of your scripts.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, look, one of, the, one of the last, I think one of the last ads I wrote for him and see did actually have in these unprecedented times, and I, and I, and I was quite proud of that. Yeah. You, you got go. it in there. Nailed it. Yeah, yeah. But but it was probably appropriate
0: for the job I was working on at that point. Okay, Andy, you've definitely earned, as you say, some time off to have a think about what's next. I think everybody is very intrigued and interested to know what you do next, and uh, I'll be keeping an eye out. Um, I hope we can... So will rest. I. <laughs> <laughs> and the family. <laughs> um, but, yeah, keep in touch, and as soon as you uh, you land somewhere, we'd love to know what that is.
2: Oh, um, mate,
0: you'll be the first tonight. Yeah.
1: Yeah, great, mate. Thanks for the interview. It was really, um, yeah, lots of great information there and just good to see your face again.
2: Pleasure. Yeah. Good to
0: see you guys. Cool. All right, listen, mate, best of luck with everything. And as you've already pointed out, your um, leaving letter, whatever you want to call it, got a great response because I just thought, why doesn't everybody else admit some of the fucking shit that goes on?
2: Like I said, it was COVID shit. Let's just have a little bit of fun with it.
0: And on that note, thanks very much, Andy. My pleasure. Talk to you guys soon. Cheers, mate. Okay, bye-bye. See
1: Bye-bye. If you've got an interesting or funny lockdown story you'd like to share with us, we'd love to hear from you and get you on the podcast. Get in touch at contact at smithandwestern.com.au.